You're listening to Comedy Central. December 5th, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Our guest tonight is a legendary actor who plays Roger Ailes in a new movie about Fox News. John Lithgow is here, everybody! So excited. Also, on tonight's show, Jabuki Young White checks in on America's founders. The hot new Apple product is an actual Apple, and Congress goes to law school. So let's catch up on today's headlines. Let's kick it off with TikTok. ADHD in app form. (laughs) Kids these days use it for everything, from making jokes to sharing stories and now even political activism. But now, a new viral TikTok has some people wondering if there should be a limit. How much is social media a part of some kids' life? Well, in the case of the teenagers you're about to meet, the answer would seem to be it's essential. They were involved in a car crash and almost immediately posted a video on the popular app TikTok. Believe it or not, these teens are recording the aftermath of a bad car accident that happened only moments earlier. You can see the cracked windshield, and then they got camera ready, making a video that they posted on the popular TikTok app, lip syncing while waiting for police. What this shows is where young people have their priorities. Yes. That they thought it was more of a priority to make a video. Okay, I'm just gonna say this straight up. This is how you know you don't have immigrant parents. (laughs) Because if you crash your parents' car and your parents is an immigrant, forget making a TikTok, you'll be writing your will. Like, immigrant parents are the only ones who would show up to that crash and be like, did my son survive? Be like, luckily, he's fine. Unluckily, he's fine, huh? (laughs) But I mean, I guess this is just what kids in the social media generation do. Like, there's no situation that they don't think of turning into viral content. Like, if the movie Taken came out now, Liam Neeson's daughter would probably make a TikTok under that bed. Yeah. (laughs) She'd be like, you had a bad day, you had a bad day, it's going really bad. All right, and speaking of car wrecks, the Trump administration. Every day, it feels like President Trump says something that causes outrage. He's called countries in Africa shitholes. He's declared that he's in love with Kim Jong-un. And last week, he said he was way cuter than Baby Yoda, which is insane. (laughs) But sometimes, it's easy to forget that while Trump is loudly offending people, his administration is quietly affecting people. Nearly 700,000 Americans are now in jeopardy of losing their food stamp benefits under a new Trump administration regulation. The new regulation makes it more difficult for states to waive a requirement that able-bodied adults without children work at least 20 hours per week. It's part of the Trump administration's efforts to cut the Supplemental Nutrition Program, otherwise known as SNAP. The administration says the new rule aims to encourage those receiving SNAP to get a job. Okay, this is just horrible, man. You're gonna cut food stamps to people? And you're saying it's because you wanna inspire them to get jobs? Like, that's only gonna make it harder to get a job. How are you supposed to make a good impression at an interview 
if you're hungry, huh? Person's gonna be like, so uh, why do you want this job? Uh, because I need to eat, bitch. <laughs> and also to do this during the holidays, you know, like, it's so heartless from Trump. Sometimes I think Trump's worldview is twisted to everyone else. Like, I bet when Trump watched 101 Dalmatians, it was a sad movie about a woman who couldn't get a coat. <laughs> and you know what I also find interesting? Honestly, what I find interesting is that you always have politicians who take services away from poor people because they claim it'll inspire them to become better. But then when it comes to big corporations, all of a sudden their attitude changes to, we have to help out these oil companies and these farmers. They need our support. And you're like, well, what about poor people? Yeah, I guess we could give poor people to the oil companies. Let's try. Yeah, we could try it. <laughs> right, and finally, if this news has you worried about losing your food stamps and you just want to stock up in case, well, there's a new food that'll keep for a while. A new type of apple is hitting supermarkets this week. And if you buy some, they might still be good for next year's holiday apple pie. The Cosmic Crisp reportedly could keep for more than a year in storage. The apple is a cross between the Enterprise and Honey Crisp apples, and it apparently gives them a higher shelf life while still holding their naturally sweet flavor. And they are resistant to browning. Okay, what? <laughs> they invented a new apple that can last for a year? Why do we even need new apples? There are already too many apples, okay? We got so many apples out there, we need white people to pick them. That's too many. We don't need fancy new apples that don't go bad. You know what we need? We need fancy new oranges that know how to peel themselves. That's what they need to invent. Yeah, because the ones we have now, by the time you're done peeling them, your fingers look like you strangled Ernie to death. And an orange isn't even that great as a fruit. I mean, half of it is just that white stuff you're trying not to eat. You know how I know oranges are shit? They named orange. It's just a color, yeah. Someone took a bite and they were like, you don't deserve an identity. <laughs> so we don't need new apples, we need new oranges. And yeah, that's right, I just compared apples and oranges. Everybody said it couldn't be done, <laughs> but I just did it. All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on, start top story. <laughs> Impeachment. It's like a juice cleanse for the Oval Office. <laughs> We're getting closer and closer to the fateful vote. So let's catch up on the latest developments in our ongoing segment, The Magical Wonderful Road to Impeachment. It's probably presidential harassment. This morning, impeachment took yet another major step forward when Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, and sober Lucille Bluth gathered up all the flags she could find for a major announcement. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announcing to the country and to the world that articles of impeachment against President Trump will proceed. Pelosi telling the American people that Trump has left the U.S. Congress with no choice but to move forward. Sadly but with confidence and humility, with allegiance to our founders and a heart full of love for America. Today, I am asking our chairman to proceed with articles of impeachment. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. They finally proposed articles of impeachment. I mean, I knew when they reserved that hearing room that this would be it, but you never know until it really happens. Oh my God, I'm so happy for you guys. Now, Pelosi's announcement comes a day after the latest impeachment hearing, where legal scholars were brought in to give their opinions on impeachment. And most of them agreed that DJT needs to GTFO. 
The three experts invited by Democrats arguing that the president's conduct regarding Ukraine is exactly what the founders had in mind when they wrote impeachment into the Constitution. President Trump's conduct, as described in the testimony and evidence, clearly constitutes impeachable high crimes and misdemeanors under the Constitution. If we are to keep faith with our Constitution and with our republic, President Trump must be held to account. If what we're talking about is not impeachable, then nothing is impeachable. Wow. If this is not impeachable, then nothing is impeachable. Most of us thought that sounded powerful, but Trump probably thinks that just means he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah, he heard that and he was like, yay, nothing is impeachable. I can do anything. Look at me. I'm running around with scissors. La, 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 la. Ow, 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 the scissors cut me. Uh, the scissors work for the deep states. <laughs> So, the three constitutional experts called by the Democrats testified yesterday that Trump's actions were like super impeachable. But according to the Republicans on the committee, these people weren't saying this because they're constitutional scholars. No, they were saying it because they're drinking Trump haterade. Could I begin just with a show of hands? How many on the panel actually voted for uh, Donald Trump in 2016? I don't think show, we're show obligated to say anything about how no, we just, cast just our ballots. Show, no, just show of hands. The gentleman may ask the question. The witnesses don't have to respond. How uh, many of you supported Donald Trump in 2016? Show of hands. Not, Thank you. not raising our hands Professor, is not an indication of an answer, sir. Okay, can, can we just agree that people in power should never be asking anyone who they voted for? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm part of a healthy democracy. There's a reason there's a curtain on the voting booth. It's so you can cast your vote in secret and then shower afterwards, okay? <laughs> and also, like, the sly way the congressman was interrogating the panel, you know? I felt like I was watching a scene with Christoph Waltz. He's like, you know, so just by a show of hands, <laughs> how many of you actually voted for Donald Trump? <laughs> We're all friends here. Come on, come on, you can tell me. And Republicans, Republicans didn't just say that these law professors were biased. No, they took it one step further and went after their credentials. We had one professor who just absolutely fictionalized what the president said to, to meet her own statement. And then another said he was so reluctant to go to impeachment when his tweets from day one nearly have been, he wants to go full speed ahead. So all I got to say is, if you love America, mamas, don't let your babies grow up to go to Harvard or Stanford Law School. What? Mamas, don't let your babies go to Harvard or Stanford? That, that took a weird turn. <laughs> no, because, like, now I like to imagine that there is some family in the South where a mother just found a Harvard acceptance letter that her daughter hid under the bed. She's horrified. She's like, what is this, Mary Lou? Is this an acceptance letter to Harvard? It's like, mama, I, I know you want me to go to Princeton, but, but this is my dream, mama. What's the point of living if I can't go to the Kennedy School of Government, mama? How dare you? How dare you upset your mama like this? What else are you hiding from me? Well, mama, I'm also gay. I don't care if you're gay. Love is love. You can love whoever you want as long as they didn't go to Harvard. And sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
My new one-man play, Annie, Get Your Degree, will be off-Broadway <laughs> in two weeks. Thank you. So basically, that's what happened, all right? Yesterday was a hearing with constitutional scholars that took us one step closer to impeachment. All of it was pretty standard, except for one moment that got everybody talking. And it was when one of the scholars made a joke that backfired hard. One of the three scholars that Democrats called to testify had to apologize for mentioning the president's 13-year-old son during her testimony. Republicans blasted Stanford law professor Pamela Carlin after she tried to make a point that Mr. Trump does not have the same powers as King. The Constitution says there can be no titles of nobility. So while the president can name his son Baron, he can't make him a Baron. When you invoke the president's son's name here, when you try to make a little joke out of referencing Baron Trump, that does not lend credibility to your argument. It makes you look mean. I want to apologize for uh, what I said earlier about the president's son. It was wrong of me to do that. No, professor, what were you doing? You were brought in for your legal expertise, not to try and make jokes. The C and C-SPAN doesn't stand for comedy, it stands for Christ, this is boring. <laughs> and look, I'm, I'm not saying the professor had bad intentions, but just as a rule, don't drag Trump's underage son into politics. Especially when you've got these two dead-eyed jamokes to make fun of. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Look at these two. the world's most affordable personal injury attorneys. Look at them. <laughs> they look like failed clones of Celino and Barnes. Like, <laughs> they look like they run a strip club by the airport. And not the classy one, the other one with the bed bug problem. <laughs> Why not go after them? So look, those are the highlights from yesterday's impeachment hearings. And after the break, we'll be talking to our own legal expert who knows exactly what the founding fathers would have wanted. We'll be right back. When the House brought in legal scholars yesterday, they were there to answer one basic question. The four law professors who testified brought history lessons to the hearing with talk of American founding fathers and British monarchs. We're looking back at right now to say, what did the founding fathers envision about this country that we are now in? We find actually it fascinating to look back at the founding fathers and the definition of impeachment and what it means because it really does matter. This morning's hearing is meant to answer some basic but very important questions. What is impeachment? When is it justified? Should it apply here? What is impeachment? Shouldn't you have figured that out before you started this whole thing? <laughs> it's like you're about to have sex and then you're like, give me one second, baby. Siri, what is vagina? <laughs> This is not the time. But that's what yesterday was all about. Democrats and Republicans each brought opposing experts on to determine whether or not the founding fathers would have impeached Donald Trump. So, for more on this, let's turn to our very own constitutional expert, Jabuki Young-White, everybody! <laughs> Jabuki. I was actually surprised to find this out, but you are an expert on the founding fathers. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I just told you that so I could get on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's, that's actually really disappointing because I, I was hoping you could tell us if the Founding Fathers would have wanted Trump to be impeached or not. 
Trevor, the truth is that's impossible. You can't guess what the founding fathers would do today based on what they wrote back then. The world is just so different now. Well, that's interesting. So, so you, are you saying that Americans of today should apply their own principles instead of asking what the founders would have wanted? No, mm-mm. <laughs> I'm saying we should still ask the founding fathers directly, which is why I have my crystal ball. Oh, oh wow. So. So wait, are you a medium? Um, no, I'm usually a small, but I think <laughs> recently, I don't know. No. It's unique, though, I can't tell. I, I, I meant the bowl, are you gonna... Are you... Oh, yes, 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 sorry, uh, concentrate. All right, okay. Spirit of George Washington. What do you think of impeaching the president? Oh, wow, okay. Okay, all right. Wait, what is, what is he saying? Okay. What is he saying? He's saying America is not a monarchy. We don't want a king. He's saying that we must honor our democratic traditions. Okay. Now he's saying the N-word. <laughs> not even like angry. I just don't think he has another word for black people. Uh, oh, okay, I think we, we got off track with him. Uh, Jabuki, is there another founding father we could talk to? Okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna contact Thomas Jefferson. He wants to speak to me. He thinks I'm his grandson. Okay. <laughs> Hello, Trevor. Oh my God. <sighs> wow, uh, it's you. Hello, President Jefferson. America needs your guidance. What do you think should happen with President Trump? America, stay true to your principles. Follow your heart. Don't hide yourself in regret. Just love yourself in your set. You're on the right track, baby. We were born this way. Born this way. Oh, Chibuki, no, Chibuki, come. That makes no mistakes. I thought you were gonna We were born this, this way. way. I thought you were gonna this take this way. This, seriously, we were born. Seriously, this way. the founding fathers weren't listening to Lady Gaga, dude. Well, maybe if they did, we'd be in better shape right now. I'm just. You're Chibuki Young White, everyone. We'll be right back. You just wasted my time. Yeah, yeah. My guest tonight is a Golden Globe, Emmy, and Tony Award-winning actor who plays Roger Ailes in the new film, Bombshell. John Lithgow. Thank you so much. Such an honor to have you on the show. Welcome to The Daily Show. I'm just delighted to be on The Daily Show. And congratulations on what many people are just describing as a stellar performance in the new movie, Bombshell. This is one of those films where I think a lot of people are gonna be shaken up because a lot of people, most people know Fox News, even around the world, you know? A lot of people don't know the man behind Fox News, Roger Ailes. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have referred to him as a genius of television, but then over time, we learned that he was also a sexual predator in the workplace. You're playing this character who's charismatic by many accounts, but at the same time, extremely evil. Is that difficult to convey to people? Well, uh, it, was a, it was wonderfully written. Uh, Charles Randolph created this amazing character. He didn't create it. Roger Ailes created the character. Right. But he presents it in an extraordinary way. The, the movie is a 16-day period in which 
karma just caught up with Roger Ailes and washed him away. So you had to, I had to sort of figure a way to present all these sides of this man. He was, uh, he had a volatile temper. Mm -hmm. He had a raucous sense of humor. He was deeply insecure, and yet he was very scary and tyrannized his his people. Right. They were, uh, you, you, the movie does a, an amazing job of just showing how so many different women responded to him. Some of them were scared of him, some of them succumbed to him, some of them resisted him, but some of them were very devoted and loyal to him. It really is interesting because you see how different people respond to the same, you know, predatory force, yeah. you know? And, and I guess part of it, part of it was because of Roger's power. He could make or break somebody's career. He could define what you could or could not do in the world of news, you know? Yeah. Uh, when, when, you, when you're reading up on Roger Ailes and when you're preparing to play this character, like, where did you even find information on him? Because he was notoriously secretive. It, well, the most interesting thing I, I did, I, I tracked down an old friend of mine who had actually worked as his producing partner in the 1970s when Ailes was in his mid-30s and at the beginning of his career as a media consultant. And there's a this friend of mine, Stephen Rosenfield, he revealed a completely different Roger Ailes. Uh, he said, this is something that nobody sees now. The fact that this man was kind of a, a terrific company. He could make you laugh. Uh, he was even tough on his very conservative political consultancy right. clients be because they were too conservative and didn't have enough empathy. I mean, wow. I, I was so astonished to hear this. I couldn't wait to get to the set and tell Jay Roach, our director, about it. Uh, anytime you play, I, I mean, I sort of embrace the role of the villain of the piece. It's a movie very much about the women of Fox, particularly these three extraordinary actresses, Charlize, Nicole, and Margot. Right. Uh, who, uh, it, it is their movie, and they play very much in reaction to Roger, and I sort of accepted the role of the sort of malevolent villain, but you can't approach a character like that. You have to approach a villain's character like any character with empathy, find out what is it that drives him. It's interesting you say that because that sometimes is the reason that these men are able to do what they do in societies because they know how to reveal their empathy to people in select moments in time, you know? And, and I think without doing that, you don't tell the real story because it becomes a caricature. Yeah, well, I, the movie puts an audience uh, sort of on guard. It, it, it's, in a way, my own performance, I sort of tempt them to have sympathy with the devil. And it's a very disorienting, disorienting feeling. Right. I mean, this is a man who is loathed by so many people. So I, I look, I just simply tried to find the things that people loved about him. My great, my great asset was Connie Britton playing Beth Ailes, his wife, mm -hmm. who was completely devoted to him, protected him completely. So in the story, her great crisis was discovering that all of this was true and being disabused and disillusioned by her right. own husband. I mean, these are big, high-stakes emotional stories of sort of Shakespearean scope. And because it's about uh, a, a gigantic institution like Fox News, which has a lot to do with our entire culture. Yes. Uh, as I say, the stakes are, are monumentally high. It's interesting that you say that, you know, because you, you're somebody who 
people have known and loved for a very long time. And like many performers, you have kept your politics to yourself for the most part. You know, you, 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 a lot of people have chosen to say, like, hey, the, the art will speak for itself and then I will, I will privately vote and I will cast my ballots. But in the age of Donald Trump, you have become outspoken about what you don't like about him and why you don't you appreciate this administration. In fact, you even wrote a book you know, uh, you illustrated this, this book called uh, Dumpty, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And uh, that over there... <laughs> and it's, it's really just a book, you know, of all the... Um... Well, you know, we... we it's have... interesting because it's verse as well. Why yeah. did you choose to write it in that way? Is, well, it, we... is it to mock? Is it to, like, what... Or is it how you process the world we're living in? It, well, it is true. The, the age of Trump has drawn me out politically, as it has done a lot of people. And, but I'm an entertainer. How do I respond to this? By just finding the funny. The way you do, the way Stephen and John Oliver do. Right. I mean, to me, you're my great heroes these days. Oh, no, you're because so kind. You, you, I mean, Thank you. I, I mean, you have found a brilliant way of sort of taking your own reactions, your own political reaction to this, the reality, and making it into something that is both an entertainment and, and exposing the truth. This is my version of that. Uh, they're doggerel poems. Uh, they're as funny as, as I could possibly make them. <laughs> right. Uh, and yet there's an awful lot of anger in there. And it's, uh, this is, I, there are 33 poems in it. Mm-hmm. Each one of the, the subject of each one is one of the amazing cast of characters from the Trump administration. Right. Most of whom are gone by now. Right. He's, yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I was intrigued because, I mean, in the time it took me to read the Scaramucci poem, he was in and out of the White House. Right, exactly. <laughs> that, that and, is... I mean, people are, are, are started like, oh, my God, I completely forgot about Tom Price. And, right. And John Kelly. These, these people, are, they just disappeared from view. And uh, as a result, this has become a mini little history lesson on what we've lived through for the last two years. You know what? But, but I mean, they, I'm an actor, and I respond to amazing, larger-than-life characters. Look at them all. <laughs> and and, and uh, I have my way of skewering every one of them. You do a fantastic job, not just in the book, but in the movie as well. Thank you so much for being Thank on the you, show. Trevor. Really wonderful having you. The book, Dumpty, is available now. Bombshell opens in New York and Los Angeles December 13th and will be in theaters nationwide December 20th. John Lithgow, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.